Hi guys, Kenzie here. I just want to give you a heads up that the audio for this episode is a little bit wonky. We had to record at Haley's place instead of mine, and it's a whole thing. I've done my best, but I just wanted to give you a warning. And so without further ado, this is We Need to Talk About Sam, a podcast where a supernatural superfan and a supernatural newbie discuss every single episode of the hit CW show. And this week we are covering season two, episode six, No Exit. I'm Kenzie. I'm Haley. And we need to talk about Sam. You're as cold as ice. I have to do another marker. <laughs> okay. I have to name every marker in Audacity because Audacity is a pain in the ass. The Audacity. It, honestly. <laughs> okay. So, I like this episode. This is a good episode. It's a good one. Um, it is not accurate in some of its subject matter, but we'll get to that. <laughs> we're talking about supernatural. I know. <laughs> I know. But also we're talking about true crime. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So our recap um, gives us, um, reintroduces us to Ellen and Joe, reminding us who they are. Um, and we kind of touch a little bit on the demon, but it's mostly about Ellen and Joe, because they are a big part of this episode. And we open... And both of them. They're so great. Um, We open up in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, We're in an apartment building where the lights in a girl's apartment are flickering. She's on the phone with her landlord. Um, She's like, check the wiring. She demands that he come upstairs right now and like fix it, you know? I mean, it's kind of late at night, and I don't think flickering lights is very fun at any time of day, but especially late at night. Yeah. Um, But as she hangs up her landline... Because it is 2006. <laughs> um, she notices this like drop of black goo on her coffee table. And I think more goo drips like onto her shoulder. It's really gross. It's really gross. And then she hears a, a noise in the walls. And she goes to kind of investigate. Like find where the sound is coming from. And she finds a, a light switch that doesn't have like a cover on it. It's just the, the switch and the hole. Which is, that's great. <laughs> That's safe and fun. Okay. Still doing some renovations. I guess. In her um, apartment. I guess. Um, she sees more black goo, like, dripping out of this light switch. This is a very, like, effective image. Yeah. Just this, like, waterfall of black goop coming out of this hole in the wall. And she leans in closer to investigate, and suddenly she sees an eye looking at her through the light switch. And this is where we get our splash screen. Um, not what you want to see looking back at you. No, I could do without. <laughs> so you cut to, I think the boys are arriving at the roadhouse. It's kind of the vibe I got. At first I thought they were leaving, but then I realized they were like arriving. They've just gotten to the roadhouse. Yeah. Um, and they're joking. Dean wants to go to LA. I don't understand this reference. I wonder if the wiki has something about it. What is it again? Um, okay, here we go. So, Dean wants to go to LA, and he says a young girl has been kidnapped by an evil cult. And Sam's like, girl got a name, and Dean says Katie Holmes, which is specifically a reference to how when Katie Holmes started showing interest in Tom Cruise's religion, Scientology, it was negatively re- noted by many, and some suggested she'd been coerced or brainwashed into it. So, I guess that's what he was 
specifically referring to. Assumption. Uh, Saint Scientology is one hundred percent a cult. Yeah. Yes. Um. Okay. So, but as the boys are like getting out of the car, they hear Ellen and Joe arguing. I think Dean says, "Or cat fight." <laughs> Dean, that's not appropriate. Um, and they go inside and find the two women fighting over Joe wanting to go on a hunt. Um, they like very quickly kind of pick up that vibe because Ellen even tells I think Ellen wants Joe to just kind of be like a normal girl and she's like go back to college and stuff and Joe's like I was a freak with a knife collection (laughs) no thanks I'm good she wants to be a hunter um I just like walk right into this then Ellen's like, now's not really the time. And Dean's like, it's okay. We don't drink before 10 a.m. anyways. <laughs> Joe has the option to have the life that Sam wanted. She does. And she doesn't want it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. She's much more Honestly, of a Honestly, I really love the kind of the slight parallels between Joe and Sam. And then Joe and Dean. Like the way they, she's a little bit of both of the boys. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really interesting. Um. Well, there's a family that comes in. It's like a, a couple and their two kids. And the dad's like, are you open? And I think one of them, one of the girls says, one of the ladies says yes. And the other says no. But I can never figure out which one it is. I thought, it, I thought Did Joe, Joe say said yes, yes. And Ellen said, said no. no. And I don't know. Me, sure. <laughs> Sam and Dean are just standing awkwardly off to the side like, yeah, welcome. <laughs> And they're like, okay, we'll go to the Arby's. <laughs> the dad's like, we'll go check out the Arby's up the road. <laughs> Which, why didn't they go there in, in the first place? I know. That's, that's... Why not a very rundown looking bar with your very young children? Why was yeah, that your first option? Comedy. <laughs> um, this is when the phone rings, though, and Ellen like is going to ignore it, but Joe's like, no, go answer that. And so Ellen answers the phone, and while she is busy, Joe hands Dean a file that Joe herself has put together on a case. Um, uh, Dean's like, you know, did Ash put this together? And she's like, no, I did it. And he's like, dang, <laughs> like, this is good, good work. Um, she has found a pattern of young blonde women disappearing from an apartment complex over the last 80 years. Because the disappearances are kind of spaced out, the cops really haven't made a connection. So either they've got a ghost or a very old serial killer. Um, well, they might just have both. Or both! <laughs> I just realized. I didn't even realize. Okay, Sam says they've taken a case on a lot less, and Ellen has finished her phone call and hears this and is like, cool, you take it. <laughs> Joe is not pleased. Um, she wants to hunt, she wants this case. But um, Ellen is very insistent, so... The boys take it and they head to Philadelphia. I think they they break into the apartment where the girl from the cold open disappeared from. Um, Sam says he feels bad for taking Joe's case, but they are more afraid of Ellen than they are of Joe. So, <laughs> yes, same. Um, the boys scan for EMF. Um, they're not really finding any, but they do find black goo dripping from the light switch. Or, like like, lingering remnants of it on the light switch hole in the wall. The light hole. (laughs) Shush. (laughs) At which point, Babe asks, what is that? 
And then oh. Dean immediately said ectoplasm. <laughs> and I said, thanks, Dean. <laughs> it was so perfect. She asked it, and there was a little bit of a pause where I was like, do I answer or do I let Dean do it? <laughs> I just let Dean do it. Um, so we have ectoplasm. Sam says he's only seen ectoplasm twice. Um, you have to be a majorly pissed off spirit to make ectoplasm. Like, this is not something that your average run-of-the-mill vengeful ghost <laughs> Babe has a runny nose. It's my allergies. And I just turned my head and she's a whole lot tissue stuffed up her nostril. I wasn't expecting that. I I mean you were like wiping your nose, but I didn't expect that. That was funny. Okay. So this ghost is not their average like run of the mill vengeful spirit this is something powerful and scary um the boys sneak back out of the apartment and they're on their way like out of the building when they run into joe and the landlord um and joe immediately is like this is my boyfriend dean and his friend sam you know and she's (laughs) like did you look at the apartment honey and dean's like yeah it was great you know the first thing that Dean says though is what the hell are you doing here? Yeah. And she's like, hi honey. Yeah. Dean's <laughs> like, what the fuck? Oh. <laughs> I think he's immediately like, oh my god, Ellen is gonna murder us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um Joe asks about like the the previous tenant is like when did the tenant move out and the guy's like, you know, about a month ago she just cut and run and left all of her stuff behind. Yeah, I'm sure that's what happened. Cool, yeah. Um, and Joe's like, okay, cool. Well, if Dean likes the place, then we'll take it. Question. If it's been a whole freaking month, how has that poor girl survived that long? It's a different girl. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. It's a different girl. Oh, the other one. First one died. Yes. First one is dead. 100% a goner. Second one is the one they save. We'll get to her. I forgot there was another one. (laughs) I mean, they are all blonde. (laughs) Um, I'm more into redheads. <laughs> okay, so Ellen tells, or not Ellen, Joe tells the landlord that they'll take the apartment and hands him a massive wad of cash. So they head to the apartment and they're kind of getting settled in. And Dean, like, asks Joe, like, you know, how the hell did you get, uh, like, get your mom to agree to let you come? And she's like, oh, I, you know, I didn't. She thinks I'm in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> and she um, got Ash to lay a credit card trail all the way to the casinos, as she puts it. So, uh, that is the <laughs> alias that Joe has planted for herself. Um, but despite this, Ellen calls while they're settling in to ask if Joe is there. <laughs> this is a great little scene, because Joe is literally, like, inches from Dean's face, and she's like, you're gonna lie to her, basically. <laughs> like, gets Dean to um, Dean's lie like, to Ellen. Who am I more scared of in this exact moment? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the one with a knife in front of the me. The one, the one flipping a knife, <laughs> flipping flipping a knife around, standing inches from me, or the one that's several states away. <laughs> so, because I think the roadhouse is in Nebraska. I don't know where Nebraska is in relation to uh, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is that way. 
I was trying to see if I could eyeball it on your map, but I don't even know which one Nebraska is. So I think Nebraska is more of a central state, and Pennsylvania is more of a Pennsylvania is like an eastern state, yeah, because it's over by New York and New Jersey and stuff. But it's just like I don't really know where Nebraska. I know where Pennsylvania is on the map. Like I can picture that in my head, but I cannot picture where Nebraska is. I don't know. It's just one of the plain states. That narrows it down. States, (laughs) Central America. Okay. Um, North America. So, but Joe, Joe, dis, or Dean decides to lie for Joe and says I that think. she's not there. I I know it's a Great Plains state, but it's like, which one? You know, is it more northern? I maybe I don't really. I genuinely don't know. I can't read it from here because <laughs> I know we've got North Dakota and South Dakota. Is that Nebraska right underneath it? I used to have this places memorized. But there is know. actually a map in this room. Um, but the problem is, is it's a good, I think it's at least six feet away, and the writing is very small. It's also at a weird angle compared to us, so it's leaning against the wall. I think, I think, because if you go, Montana's the really big one, and the one next to it is um, North Dakota, and then South Dakota, and I think the next one's Nebraska, because yeah, right. I'm pretty sure the one under it is Kansas. Yes. So it is, I guess it's kind of, they're kind of like, at least the way it looks on this map is it's kind of almost level with Pennsylvania or is level with, no, it's almost, I think. It's kind of in a similar I don't know exactly where Pennsylvania is on the map. Um, So, okay. But the point is, is Ellen is not in the same state. (laughs) Meanwhile, Joe has a knife in her hand. So that's fun. You know what? There's not a lot of in Pennsylvania. What? Pencils. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I thought Pennsylvania as a kid meant there's oh my pencils god. or something. You're adorable. Okay, let's keep going. It's actually named after William Penn. Yes. Yes, I knew so that. That's all I know. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. So now that. Dean has um, lied to Ellen, which is a decision he will probably grow to regret. Probably. <laughs> Joe runs them through what she has on the case, and I didn't really make a note of any of this because I was typing very fast. No. Okay, whatever. Are we in two? Nope. We're in one. I'm going to check the transcript. Okay. So, according to Joe, okay, so we actually get to a little bit later, and this is where she has the knife. <laughs> um, Joe, according to Joe, the apartment complex was built, well, the building was built in 1924, and it was originally a warehouse, but was converted into compar- into apartments a few months ago. So, recently. So this doesn't actually have anything to do with the hotel of H.H. Holmes? No, that was Chicago. Hmm. Um, Why is he here? Because this is where he died. Oh. Yeah. So we'll get to that point. I forgot that part. Um, I have a bunch of stuff, except none of it's very organized, so we'll see how it goes. Um, And before 1924, it was an empty field. Um, So most likely what happened is someone died bloody in the building, but... Joe already checked that. In the past 82 years, there have been zero violent deaths unless you count a janitor who slipped on a wet floor. (laughs) And she's checked all the sources. 
Um, so Sam says, well, it must be something else. Maybe it's a cursed object that brought a spirit in. Maybe which the janitors is really pissed off. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, they decide that they are going to have to scan the entire building for EMF. Um, and Dean says he'll go with Joe. So we cut to Dean and Joe are, I think, on the third floor. Um, like, I think they're starting at the top and Sam's starting at the bottom. And they're going to work their way till they meet in the middle. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense. Um, and Joe is kind of grumpy about Dean. Uh, she says, riding her ass. Um, she says she sh- he should buy her dinner first. <laughs> um, but Dean's like, no, you're a freaking amateur. And also, Ellen is literally going to murder me just for you being here. So I'm not letting you out of my sight. Like, I'm not letting anything happen to you. You are literally the ghost type. Which is Joe's whole point. She uh, thinks be her being bait is the quickest way to draw out the ghost. Um, Dean uh, does not agree with this plan, and Joe basically calls him a misogynist. <laughs> um, uh, he, she says that he thinks women can't do the job, and Dean's like, no, no, that's not it at all. It's like some of the best hunters he knows are women, you know. Women could totally do a job. The problem is, is that Joe has is an amateur. This is her first ever hunt. She has no fucking clue what she's doing, and she's got this romanticized notion of what hunting is based off of the stories that she's been told from hunters at the roadhouse, you know, mm-hmm. and her dad and stuff. And so, like, she doesn't fully understand what the job can entail mm-hmm. um, and the dangers that it can have, even on just a simple ghost hunt. Um. But Joe is very stubborn, <laughs> um, as Dean is very quickly learning. So, Sam, Dean even, I think Dean even says to her that, like, Joe has options. Um, like, she could go and do something else, you know. Yeah. He, he says, you know, my dad started me in this when I was so young, and I wish I could do something else. And Joe's like, well, you love the job. And Dean's like, yeah, but I'm a little twisted. <laughs> <laughs> um... And Dean tells her, um, you know, Joe, you, I'm literally reading off the transcript here because I didn't take very good notes on this scene. Um, he's like, you've got a mother that worries about you, who wants something more for you, and those are good things. You don't throw things like that away. It might be hard to find later. Um, she has a very good point. Joe has a lot going for her, especially compared to the Winchesters. Um, so... Uh, this is kind of where they leave it off. They keep looking. Dean kind of gets ahead of Joe a little bit, and while she, while they're kind of separated, we see the, we see some ectoplasm, and then the ghost fingers like come out of a vent on the wall behind her. Um, and she doesn't. I don't think she sees it, but she likes, can like, sense that danger is nearby. I think she sees the ectoplasm. I do. No, because I think Dean would have like commented on it. It's when they're separated. Well, but Dean comes right back. Oh. And they literally look at the vent, like, right then. Oh. I'm thinking ahead. Never mind. Yeah. Um, so Joe scans the vent that the ghost... Or... No. So the ghost, like, creeps up on her, but disappears when she turns around. Um, and she kind of makes, like, a startled noise, if I remember right. And Dean comes running back, and she says... Um, she like, scans the vent that the ghost was coming through, and it 
this is the first time the EMF is lit up. So they open it. Um, Dean like shines a flashlight inside and looks around and then reaches in to find a clump of blonde hair. Ooh. It's gross. I know it's like fake wig hair, but like still. Okay. So. <laughs> we are back after some technical difficulties because I unplugged my goddamn laptop. Kenzie um, needs a new laptop. Oh, this is where we left off. Okay. This is nice. We left it off right at the top of my second page of notes, which is <laughs> another blonde woman. <laughs> yeah. Her name's Teresa. Okay. We left off with Dean finding a clump of blonde hair inside this vent, which is not creepy at all. Um, we cut to another blonde woman. We'll learn later that her name is Teresa. She enters her apartment. She's got, like, her stack of mail. And she is going through it. She looks at a flyer, I think for, like, a party or something. And while she's looking at it, ectoplasm drips onto the paper, which is gross. Um, she, like, gets grossed out, and I think she, like, says something about, like, the freaking apartment, you know? <laughs> um, she throws the paper away, but as she's, like, starting to go through the rest of her mail, the lights start flickering, and we see a crack rapidly forming in her ceiling, like, crazy fast. Yeah. Um, and she runs to the phone to try to call for help but it's not working and she tries to leave her apartment but the deadbolt is locked and she can't get it to turn um, meanwhile the crack is getting longer and eventually it goes it leaves the ceiling and continues down the wall until it gets to the vent on the wall um, and she like kind of approaches warily um, I would be jumping out the fucking window there has there's fire escapes on this building, right? I'm gone. <laughs> um, but uh, a hand creeps through the vent and grabs her ankle, and she screams. And we cut to Dean asleep on like a lazy boy of some kind. It's probably not name brand, but it's that like recliner kind of chair. Um, he is in a very uncomfortable looking position. He's like all <laughs> twisted up. <laughs> oh <Only laughs> my god! There's twenty seven. By that point in time you should not be sleeping like that but whatever <laughs> um he wakes up to find joe sitting at the kitchen table going over everything flipping her knife around same as before um she tells him that sam went for coffee and dean asks how she slept and she says that she didn't she stayed up all night going over the case um dean notices her flipping the knife and he pulls out a big one from his bag and offers it to her um, says it'd be more effective than, I think he calls it a pig sticker. Um, yeah. and she hands him her little knife and he sees that it has the initials W-A-H, which stands for, I think, William Anthony Harvell, which is her dad. Um, so this is when Joe asks, um... She asks Dean what he remembers about his dad. Specifically, like, what's the first thing that pops into his head? And Dean tells her about the first time John took him shooting when he was six or seven. And he remembers specifically the, the way John smiled when Dean hit every single target. And he bullseyed everyone. Um, Joe says she remembers her dad coming home from a hunt, and he would sweep her up in his arms, and she'd smell his leather jacket... 
And then her her mom would have been grumpy the whole time he was gone, and she did, but her mom would start smiling again, you know. And she wants to do this job to be closer to her father. Um, this is when Sam arrives, uh, sans coffee. <laughs> he says there are cops outside, which we actually hear the sirens. I think that's actually what wakes Dean up. Is the siren? Mm. You hear like a little like the you know when cops like pull up to a place and they'll do like the little siren chirp. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of what we hear. Um, there are cops outside and another girl has disappeared. So Dean comes back. We or we cut to later. Dean is returning with information. Um, the woman's name is Teresa Ellis. She was in apartment two F, and her boyfriend reported her missing around dawn. Um, Dean's seen her apartment. They cracks all over the walls. Um, Sam's like, well, then it must be coming from the wall. Um, and this is when Joe pulls out a picture of the empty lot from before the warehouse that was turned into an apartment building was built. And she points out that on one of the buildings next door, there are bars on the window, and it looks like a prison. Um, so we cut to Joe is on the phone with Ash, um... And she has gotten the name of the prison. Uh, she also threatens him with something we don't know. Um, if she, if he, um, tells her mom anything. Um, so the prison like with pliers. Prison was <laughs> Moya Mensing. I think is how you pronounce that. Moya Mensing Prison. It was built in 1835 and then torn down in 1963, and they used to execute people by hanging them in the empty field next door. Um, and this is where Sam's like, okay, well, we need a list of everybody who's executed, but Ash is already sending it over. So they get the list, um, and they're going through it when Sam notices um, Herman Webster Mudgett who any true crime fan will recognize as the real name of H.H. Holmes. Um, and H.H. Holmes is a bit of an icon, like, within the true crime history. Um, I honestly don't know much about him. He's coined, he's been given the title of America's first serial killer. But Um, he wasn't actually a serial killer. Not in the... I wouldn't define him as a serial killer. I would call him either a mass murderer or just, like, a a dude who killed multiple people. Um, I would honestly probably also call him a red-collar criminal, because he... Okay, so let's go over what Sam and Dean explain. Um, so according to Sam and Dean, this is the traditional, like, H.H. Holmes lore. So, for fact, he was executed on May 7th, 1896. Um, they coined the term multi-murderer to describe Holmes. According to Dean, he was America's first serial killer before anyone knew what a serial killer was. Sam says he confessed to 27 murders, which is true. Um, some put the death toll at over 100, which is also true. Um, the Dean says that Holmes's victim of flavor of choice is p- pretty petite blondes and that he used chloroform to kill them. The chloroform that is a detail that is true. Holmes did use chloroform um, in some cases. So, um, which Dean actually smelled in the hallway. I forgot to mention that. Dean mentioned, like, he could smell something weird after mm, yeah. the ghost, like, stalked Joe through the vent. He Dean could smell something, but he couldn't place it. 
and now he realizes that it was chloroform. Um, according to Dean, at H.H. H. Holmes's place, cops found human remains, bone fragments, and long locks of bloody blonde hair. They did, in fact, find bone fragments. Um, I don't know about the hair. Um, and they do also have the truth of how he was buried, which he was buried encased in concrete. Um, he was also oh. buried double deep. Um, so he was buried 12 feet down, and not the usual six. Oh, yeah. um, and then they encased his coffin in concrete because he, he'd actually, while he was in prison, he'd had people offer to buy his brain after he died, and he didn't want to be, like, dissected or t- studied or anything, so he, to be extra sure that grave robbers wouldn't get to his body, he paid money to have his um, coffin encased in concrete and buried double down, which was also kind of a trend at the time. I think they even reburied Lincoln um, that way. So, to prevent grave robbers was really the big thing. Um, so, Holmes had a building in Chicago, and he didn't call it the murder castle. That was a that was a term coined by, like, the media after his death. Um, according to Sam and the lore of the, of H.H. H. Holmes, he had, uh, trap doors, acid vats, quickline pits, secret chambers inside the walls where he'd lock his victims in and keep them alive for days. You know, all this stuff. So, <laughs> all of that, none of that is true. Um, he did, in fact, have... So, H.H. H. Holmes... Let me get my... Will you hold the microphone up a little bit? You can just... So I have done some extra research for you guys. My main resource is an episode of, um, an episode of Generation Y, which if you are into true crime and have not listened to Generation Y, you are missing out. It's a great, great podcast. I need my arm, my love. I need both hands. Under your other arm. Oh. Um. Okay. So they have a really great episode about H. H. Holmes. I don't remember what episode number it is, but I will include the link in the episode description. So May eight May of eighteen sixty one, Herbert Webster Mudgett is born. Um, he later changed his name multiple times over the years, but he is best known as Henry Howard Holmes. Um, Holmes being a reference to Sherlock Holmes. Um, when he was seventeen, he married his first wife, Clara Lovering, and they actually had a son together. Um, and he, um, he enrolled in medical school, during which time it's said that he robbed graves and morgues and stole cadavers, um, which he would sell to medical schools in life insurance scams. Um, he later, um, left his wife and son. He never actually divorced her, so he married, quote-unquote, other women throughout the years under other names, but because he never divorced his first wife, none of those marriages were actually legal. So... Holmes was really a con man from the very start. He was a con man. Um, I really like, in this specific episode of Generation Y, the um, Adam Seltzer, I think is his last name, I think that's how you say it, he describes him as, rather than being Hannibal Lecter, he's Walter White. He kills to keep his cons going, um, to maintain his you know, facade that he has created. Mm -hmm. So, in, um, uh, 1887, 
um, Holmes had moved to Chicago, and I think he was, I don't know if he owned or was working at a pharmacy, and across the street, he began construction on the building of what would be, come, come to be known as the Murder Castle. Um, this was before they'd ever decided to have the Chicago World Fair, to be noted, the but the World Fair was basically, like, next door to the Murder Castle. Like, it was, like, right there. It was very conveniently located. But it was pure coincidence. So the building was initially two stories high, and he used borrowed money and, um, like, changing ownership repeatedly to avoid paying companies he hired in the building of... or the construction of the building, uh, because he was a con man. <laughs> so the first floor was kind of like an early version of a strip mall. It had, like, a drug store and, like, a candy store and things like that. Hmm. Um, and then the second floor was actually long-term residential apartments. So, like, there were people lived there for, like, a couple of years. One of, um, his known, like, practically, basically confirmed victims lived there for, like, two years. Hmm. Um, so, and about a year before the Chicago World's Fair, Holmes borrowed $3,000 from one of his tenants... Uh, on the in the second floor apartments to build a third floor, which he claimed would be a hotel, um, but it was really just a facade. Um, he built this third floor, but it wasn't very like good quality and like it wasn't very usable. But he would um, what he would do is he would go around to businesses like furniture businesses and things like that. And he would say, hey, I'm making a hotel, can you give me these items on credit, and then when the hotel is up and running, I'll pay you back. Um, and so they would give him these items, and then he would hide them in these secret rooms that he created, where he would basically just wallpaper over a door. <laughs> and then, because he'd gotten the stuff for free, later he would sell it and get a profit. Um, so, yeah, that was the kind of stuff he did. <laughs> he... Uh, he actually, um, ended up, I think during the World's Fair, he lit the third floor on fire, because he actually had multiple, like, insurance, um, plans taken out on the floor with multiple different companies, and so he realized that it would be benef more beneficial financially to just collect the insurance than to actually run a hotel. So it never actually functioned as a hotel, which completely destroys all of the the lore about him having this murder hotel where people stayed during the World's Fair and then they would, you know, be kidnapped into the walls and disappear. Because no one ever, it was never used as a hotel. It was mm. never a functioning hotel. Um, so Holmes, he eventually, he, I think it was not long after he uh, did the fire scam? He arson. That's what it is. <laughs> arson <Fire> scam. <laughs> <laughs> um, he skipped town, um, and he moved around a bit. He um, he took with him. Um, I can't remember his name now. Oh, what was his name? I have some links. I also have some links in here. Let me find Sam. What? <laughs> so, Ben Petzl, I think is how you say his last name. Um, this was Holmes's, like, henchman, kind of. Um, and together they moved down to Fort Worth, where Holmes actually, they actually built a larger 
version of the murder castle, which they primarily used as a site for con man stuff. <laughs> no murders occurred there. Um, but he, um, they like moved around a lot. They moved around a bit, and during a another scheme, Holmes was temporarily imprisoned. Um, where he met a train robber, um, which Holmes was in, like, a cowboy phase at this time. <laughs> he wanted to be a cowboy. He, he and so it'd be, to prove himself to this train robber that he was really cool, he, um, was like, we're gonna run this insurance scam, you know, this life insurance scam. But to do so, they, he murdered, um, Ben, um, uh, I can't, I, I feel like I'm pronouncing it wrong. Pitzel? P- Pitezel? Pitzel? I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm bad. Um, he murdered him, so. <laughs> As part of the insurance from, um, scheme. He, I think he used chloroform. So. This was his sixth victim, I believe. Because while he was at the murder hotel, while he was living in Chicago, he actually we suspect killed um five women so just for fun or um to cover up his schemes so so they had like discovered him or something yeah well like they knew too much mm. um ben is actually the only one he was the only murder he was convicted of holmes confessed to 27 murders the problem is is that some of the people at least four of the people he confessed to murdering were alive uh, definitely alive. <laughs> just naming random people he knew. <laughs> I guess. I guess. So, but we can um, connect to him nine specific murders. So, the five in Chicago were Julia and her daughter Pearl Connor. So, Julia and Pearl moved into Holmes's like apartments um, with Julia's husband. And then she began to have an affair with Holmes, and eventually she and her husband divorced. It's he worked with Holmes a couple times over the years, so it's implied it was kind of amicable, amicable, um, like they got along still. So um, Julia and her daughter lived there for two years, and then disappeared. Um, it Holmes told people that she had gone to um, her sister's wedding. Uh, but, and said wedding did actually happen, but Julia never arrived. Um, then there was Emmeline, uh, Sigrund in 1892. So Julia and her daughter were 1891. Emmeline was 1892. Um, but she really wasn't, like, it wasn't until several years later that someone was like, hey, um, she disappeared at that murder castle. <laughs> so, um, and then later, sisters Minnie and Nanny Williams. Um, Minnie was married, quote unquote, to Holmes, and he swindled her out of her inheritance. So there was actually another woman that he married at the time. I can't remember her name. So, um, but those are the those are five women who disappeared in relation to Holmes and his murder hotel. Um, but all of them were. V- had relationships with Holmes in some way. They weren't just random women staying at the ho- quote-unquote hotel mm-hmm. that wasn't actually a hotel. 
um, they were involved in his cons in some way, shape, or form. Um, he would later state that um, Julia and Emmeline died while undergoing illegal abortions, um, but since their bodies were never found, as well as Minnie and Nanny's, they were never found. We can't say that for sure. Um, we There were bone fragments found in the basement, which they believe belonged to Pearl Connor, um, who he probably poisoned. Um, so, then additionally, the seventh, no, sixth victim was Ben. Um, and then when, after Ben's body was like identified, kind of the scheme was revealed to his daughter Alice, um, and who, how, um, Holmes probably suspected revealed it to her siblings, Nellie and Howard, uh, and Holmes later killed all three of them, like in two separate occasions. He killed Howard and then later he killed, um, Alice and Nellie. So he was eventually, um, while all this is going down though, he's like traveling around the country, um, and the insurance company that he scammed with Ben's death is like after him because <laughs> he committed fraud. Uh-huh. <laughs> he's in trouble. And they find out that, uh, he, so they have a coroner's warrant but they wanted something more substantial to arrest him on, and they find out that he is wanted for horse theft in Texas, which, at the time, was a very big deal and likely to get you on the wrong end of a rope. Yeah, about... <laughs> that don't... Mm. Horse, horse theft is a ba- bad, bad crime to be committing in Texas. Um, so they arrested him in New York. He actually went back to visit his first wife and claimed to have been hit on the head with a brick and suffered from amnesia for the last, I think, five years. And now he's like, look, I'm home. <laughs> he stayed there for a couple days before um, the insurance guys caught up with him and they arrested, he was arrested for horse thievery. Um, and then, but as soon as the insurance guys walked into the room, he was like, oh no, that's what you really want me for? And he was like, listen, I'll go to Philadelphia and I'll stand trial for that because I'll get like two or three years and I, I'd rather do that than go to Texas and get hung <laughs> for cheating people out of horses. Because <laughs> what he would do with the horses would he would, like, buy them on credit and then sell them. The same thing he did with the furniture. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> um, it's a whole wild thing. But then when he was in Philadelphia, like, it came out that he had murdered Ben. Um, and he eventually stood trial for that. They only... Um, they only were charging him with one murder because it was like a, if he gets acquitted of this murder, then we have these other murders to back him up. Because they had found, in searching for the children, they had eventually, a a detective had found their bodies. He claimed that they were running around with, um, with, um, Minnie, who was one of the women who disappeared from the hotel. (laughs) So... He claimed they were running around with a dead woman. Um, <laughs> they were all dead. So, a detective found their bodies, and he... So they knew, like, they could pretty much link him to the deaths of these children. Um, but they decided to just charge him with Ben's murder. Um, and they actually did a pretty poor job of it. Why did they only charge him with that one? So that if he was acquitted, they could 
come back and charge him with mm. the others okay. and get him for those. That's actually a pretty common thing mm. when it comes to serial killers. They'll only charge them for like a couple of the cases or one just to start with. And then if they get off on that, then they have others to back it up, mm. you know? So instead of being like, okay, we'll charge you for all of these in one go and now oh, you've been acquitted of all of them, and now we can't do anything, mm. you know? Yeah. So they actually did a really bad job <laughs> with the case against him, but, like, so bad that his lawyers were like, we're not even going to do anything, because, wow, that was terrible. Oh, jeez. <laughs> like, y'all, y'all didn't prove anything. Um, but the problem was that the jury knew that he had killed these kids as well, and so they were like, nah, you're a bad dude, bye. <laughs> So he was, um, convicted. So, and while he was in prison, he would confess to 27 murders. But, like I mentioned earlier, some of them are still alive. We're still alive at the time. They're probably not anymore. (laughs) But while he was in prison, this is when the police, like, they kind of, people recognized him and were like, hey, that's that dude who had that weird, you know, apartment strip mall hotel thing that he burned the top floor of like that, that building's weird like that building's really weird and it was it was really weird it did have like secret rooms and passages and stuff there was actually a secret passage like to the drugstore but actually like the drugstore employees knew about it and would like go upstairs and like take their breaks up there and stuff you know and like <laughs> he had soundproof vaults he had like these big oil vats in the basement um it was a whole thing um, but Jeez. really, so according to Adam Seltzer in this episode of um, Generation Y, let me find my page again, I lost it. So he basically just built it so he could hide all of his scams. Yes, exactly. It was a, it was a, the con man's dream. So according to Adam Seltzer, the, this, the con, the idea that he may have killed up to 200 people kind of came from New York World, which was a paper at the time. Um... They did a lot of reporting on the case and generally were like pretty accurate, but they didn't have someone in Chicago. So they were relying on like secondhand news and they speculated that perhaps um, people from the World Fair had made their way to Holmes's hotel and died there, which is where that idea came from. Um, and then that like that idea just kind of got taken and ran with. Mm-hmm. over the years and has become like fact like literally if you look this up on wikipedia um it says that he kid like he killed of up to 200 people you know but <laughs> so it's not accurate <laughs> yeah yeah because that was treated as the fact for so long and they even say like on wikipedia that he had all these stuff in his basement and stuff but all they found were like big oil vats and things like that um yeah. there was the a um, that's a really good question he was a weird <laughs> dude there was a guy who um, he was, he got arrested because he had a skull that he had painted red hanging in his backyard, um, and he claimed a the, what? a skull, oh. a human skull. Um, the cops got him drunk, <laughs> and he confessed that he'd, like, worked with homes and, like, trading in cadavers and selling bodies and stuff, and he said that in the basement they'd find, in one spot they'd find, like, a big... I can't remember, I think a furnace or something buried, and then they'd find, like, something else in another spot. And so the cops dug up, and in one spot they did actually find something, but it was, like, a a thing, it was a container, like, 
it had just like crude petroleum in it. Like it wasn't anything to do with murder. It was just more weird oil drum stuff. Um, and they didn't find anything in the other spots. So this guy was just a, you know, con man trying to get his 15 minutes. So, and a lot of people would come out with like stories of H.H. Holmes because he was suddenly this really big deal. And so everyone wanted to have their gruesome, you know, 15 mm-hmm. seconds of fame. Oh, I met H.H. Holmes. Oh, he gave my dad money when he really needed it. Oh, he scammed us out of this and that, and you know, things like that. So everybody wanted to have their story. So it's really hard, actually, to find what is truth and what is not. Also, the fact that he, like, changed his name so many times. Like, he had a whole bunch of aliases, and it's just wild. So oh, gosh. I will include the link to um, Adam Seltzer's episode on Generation Y in the show notes, if you guys want to listen to it, I highly recommend it. I will also include a link to biography.com's um, thing, a page about H.H. Holmes, which is where I got the names because I couldn't remember them. <laughs> um, but yeah, this episode is inaccurate in the true crime sense, but at the time, it, that was like what was known about him, so mm. it wasn't until like recent years that people have been like hang on a second <laughs> let's double check so in supernatural world H.H. H. Holmes this was the what the lore says he was um, but in real life he wasn't so getting back into the episode <laughs> um, Sam and Dean and Joe decide that they need to search the walls anywhere that a person could fit specifically like a blonde a young woman could fit um, so we cut to <laughs> what? I think we're a blonde. <laughs> I know, I know, I knew it made more, no sense, which is why I corrected myself. <laughs> okay, so we cut to um, Joe and Dean. I love you too. <laughs> Joe and Dean are searching the walls. I think they're on the third floor. Joe's on the phone with Sam, who is um, searching the first floor and hasn't found anything yet. Um, while they're looking, like working their way along they reach a gap that is too narrow for Dean to fit through, so Joe squeezes past him to continue on her own. Um, did you catch what Dean said? Yes. <laughs> Dean, in classic Dean fashion, as Joe is like pinned between him and the wall, says, I should have cleaned the pipes, like under his breath, and she says, what? And he's like, nothing, and they they really need to clean these pipes. And she obviously knows exactly what he said, because I think she, like, elbows him. <laughs> so, but Joe squeezes past, and she continues on on her own, while Dean is, like, he's, like, pulled out a map of, like, blueprints of the building and is following her path through the wall. Um, she finds, a, like, an air duct of sorts that goes down to the second floor, and so she starts heading down it. Um, Dean tries to persuade her not to, but she's, like, I mean, what else am I going to do? You're not going to get here. Like, <laughs> you can't. So Dean heads downstairs to meet her on the floor below, but while Dean is in the stairs, Joe, um, making her way along the second floor wall, encounters ectoplasm. More ick. <laughs> it, it's ectoplasm. gross. Ectoplasm. Is it? Ectoplasm. Is ectoplasm in... Ghostbusters. Yes, it it's is. green. It's green. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I, prefer, I I don't know if I prefer the like. I prefer the green. nuclear green or black, but they're both gross. You so. didn't catch my joke. You prefer green? No. What? Ictoplasm. Icto. Ictoplasm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. 
phone connection goes out, but Dean hears Joe scream, um, and he runs down to kind of where he thinks she sounds like the scream came from, and he busts through the wall, um, but... <laughs> Why is he carrying a sledgehammer with him? Because they broke through the wall. Is that how they got in the first place? Yeah, that's how oh, they okay. got into the first place, yeah. Um, Joe is gone, and all that is left is her phone. Um, so we cut to Dean, clump of hair. I think, running... Is there hair? I'm just kidding. Oh my god. <laughs> so Dean is running, probably in search of Sam, and he runs right into Sam. Um, and he explains what happened. Why didn't he just call Sam on the phone? Probably because he was panicking? I don't know. Um, he explains what happened, and they head back to the apartment to like, figure something out. And this is when Ellen calls again. And Ash has spilled the beans. Uh, I think she says he's like he's a genius, but he folds like a cheap suit or something like that. Um, what does he say? Yeah. Man's a genius, but he folds like a cheap suit. I think that's a poker reference. Probably. Um, so, and Ellen is pissed. Uh, she wants to talk to Joe. Uh, Dean's like, Joe is taking care of feminine things. Smooth. <laughs> She's taking um, care of some feminine business. Yeah. Whatever that uh, means. But Ellen does not fall for that because it is a terrible lie. Um, and it comes out that j- the ghost has taken Joe. Um, Dean says, um, he, Dean promises that they're going to get her back. And Ellen says it's not the first time she's gotten promised something by a Winchester. Uh, she does not elaborate, <laughs> elaborate on that, no. Um, but... Dean says she'll be okay, I promise. And she says that's not the first time I've heard that from a Winchester. Um, and El- Dean's like, you know, I won't let anything happen to her. I'm really sorry. And Ellen's like, whatever. She's going to be on the first flight out. Um, so Dean hangs up the phone. And meanwhile, Sam in the background has been taking, going over everything they have. And he realizes there's one thing that they have not considered, which is the basement. So... The boys head out, and, we'll, and Joe wakes up locked in, like, this kind of coffin-esque metal box. It's bigger than a coffin, but it's, like, a long, rectangular yeah. box. Kind of like you would see it, like, um... I don't know what the word... It like feels like the kind of thing that, like, a cadaver would be put in, yeah. Like, they, like, stack the bodies? Yeah. Like... Something like that. Except instead of being, like, put in the wall, like, the long way, it's laid... Yeah. Or the short it. way, it's laid the, the long way. So, you like, her whole side is facing out to the main room and not just, like, her feet. Um, she pulls out a flashlight and sees bloody scratch marks on the ceiling of the box, which is fun. And there's, like, a slit in the side of it through which she can see a, a central room surrounded by more boxes embedded into the wall. Um, and she calls out... And we discover that Teresa is here, too. Um, She's, like, right across the room. And this is the second woman who was kidnapped. Um, She is obviously freaking the fuck out. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Joe tries to reassure her as Holmes returns. um, And she's looking through the slot. When Holmes shoves his hand through it and tears out a chunk of her hair. I'm pretty sure it's hers. What is this fetish with hair? I don't know. Where are they pulling that from? I have no idea, because... Yeah, no clue. Um, 
I think it's really funny that they're, like, he had a thing for blondes when the only murder he was actually convicted of was a grown man. (laughs) I don't know if he was a blonde or not. (laughs) But, like, blonde women... But the only murder he was actually convicted of was an adult man. (laughs) Okay. Right. Majority of the people he killed were women, but... Yes, that is true. That is true, because he killed the five women at the murder castle, um, and then Nellie and Alice. So, and then the two guys he, we know he killed were, um, Howard, Ben's son, and Ben himself. So, that is true. He did kill mostly women. Um, so we cut to the boys walking down the street in broad daylight, carrying a shovel and a metal detector. (laughs) And no one questions it. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's downtown Philly. I've never been to Philadelphia. I guess you've probably seen weirder things. Most downtown cities. There's no one really around. I mean, yeah, it's pretty. There's not a lot of people in this area, I guess. Um, So the boys follow it to a. They're like using the metal detector, and it leads them to a spot in this field, kind of next to the hotel, I guess. um, Where they dig up a metal trap door thing that has been buried. So, they grab their guns and they head down. Um, okay, so, one thing about this episode that I forgot to mention earlier is that, so this episode is really Dean and Joe heavy, and part of that is because Jared was actually, like, like he had some time off because of his wrist injury. He had, I think he had to get surgery done. Oh, jeez. Um, he is wearing a cast this He is episode. wearing a cast this episode. It's the continuation of the cast that has been mentioned in the last few episodes. Um... Let's see. According to... According to... Yeah, Jared had time off during this episode for treatment on his wrist, which was broken during the filming of Bloodlust. Um, so, but during this specific scene where they're going down, there is a blooper of this. They actually filmed it, um, like, closer to the end of the day, if I remember correctly. So the director of this episode is the was the one and only Kim Manners, um, <laughs> uh, who was the only director who would prank the boys back, um, <laughs> as they learned firsthand in this episode. Because there's a fantastic blooper of them going down. They're like both in this like tunnel thing going down, and then they just get this five gallon bucket of or this bucket of water dumped on their head, like one of those big white ones. Just, just dumped water down the chute on them. They, I guess they'd been pranking the crew all day. They got revenge. And so, yeah, Kim planned this prank for them, and so they said they needed to do a reshoot of the scene. They went, you know, got all set up. And they specifically planned it to dump a bucket of water on their heads while they were trapped in a tunnel and couldn't do anything about it. So that's fun. <laughs> it's a great blooper. <laughs> It's really good. Um, It's actually one of my favorites, to be honest. So we cut... So the boys are heading down into this, like... It's kind of like a sewer, but it's not actually a sewer. I don't really know. This weird tunnel thing. Um, Meanwhile, Joe is trying to, like, see if she can, like, find a weak spot in her metal box. When she hears something and looks through the slot to see um, Holmes. He has returned. Um, I didn't quite catch what he says here. Um, are you having fun? No. 
<laughs> no. Aww. <laughs> Just trying to stretch my wrist. Oh, okay. Um, I think he just like talks about how she's really pretty. Um, he reaches his hand through the the hole and slot. I'm gonna call it a slot because <laughs> hole sounds bad. <laughs> he reaches his hand through the slot in the box and like strokes her hair. He's like stroking her hair and her arm, and then she stabs him with her knife, which she says is pure iron, and he vanishes. Um, so we cut briefly from there to the boys crawl like army crawling their way through a tunnel. Um, and we go back to Joe and Teresa who are looking out for homes when he suddenly appears and he attacks Joe and he um he like disarms her, I'm pretty sure. Um, and he covers her mouth and nose with his hand and is like suffocating her. But right in time the boys arrive and Dean shoots Holmes, um and with uh, rock salt, I'm assuming, because yeah. <laughs> he disappears. So, and while Holmes is gone, Dean gets Joe out of the, her box and then hands Sam a crowbar so Sam can get Teresa out of hers. Um, Joe's like, "Let's get the fuck out of here. I'm I'm done." But Dean is like, "Uh, you know your whole thing about being bait. Um, I'm sorry, but that's our best plan. <laughs> that's that's the only plan they got." Which is fun. I'm sure Ellen loves that. <laughs> <laughs> so we cut to a little bit later, and Joe is sitting in the middle of this basement room um, when Holmes appears, like behind her. She's sitting all by herself, and he approaches her from behind, and he's reaching for her in the middle of the room. And this is when the boys um, trigger a trap. They're like just out of sight, out of the doorway. Um, they trigger a trap that creates a ring of salt all the way around the edge of the room. Which is kind of genius. <laughs> and then they shut the bars, um, shut them in, and head back out. Um, so the ghost is now trapped in a ring of salt in a creepy secret basement. Fun. Okay. <laughs> and here comes my favorite part of the episode. <laughs> so Sam and, we cut to Sam and Joe just standing by this like metal trap door. Um, Sam asks Joe if this is what she expected from hunting. Um, and she says it was, you know, it's scary. But at the same time, um, Teresa, the girl they saved, is going to get to live her life. So it's worth it. Um, Joe asks, like, you know, what's, what's going to happen if someone else finds this basement or, like, a storm washes away the salt? You know, like, the, is it, how are they going to keep the ghost trapped forever, you know? Mm -hmm. And Sam's like, well, that's why we're waiting here. And this is when Joe asks, for what? And Dean arrives with an entire fucking cement truck. <laughs> I love him. Full of cement. I love him so much. <laughs> this is it's iconic. <laughs> so the boys uh, apparently this, know how to work a cement truck. Paying homage to how he was actually buried. <gasps> yes. Oh my god. I didn't even think of that. Wait, really? I, I bet you it <laughs> when is. When you mentioned that he had been buried in cement, I'm like, oh, that explains the I end. didn't even think of that. <laughs> That's, oh, that actually, okay, because I've always been kind of like, really, about this, the the filling in the cement, like, yeah. is that really that reliable? But that, okay, that, that makes so much sense. You're a genius. <laughs> Okay. I mean, not really, so, but thanks. <laughs> I mean, somehow the boys know how to work a cement truck, too, so that's fun. Um, but they fill in the tunnel. And then we cut to the 
most awkward drive in the history of awkward drives. Oh my god. Because Ellen 100% meant it when she said she was going to take the first flight out there. And they are driving back to the roadhouse now in the Impala. Sam and Joe are in the back seat. Dean and Ellen are in the front seat. And it is absolute silence in the car. It's so good. It's like the middle of the night, too. Um, Dean attempts to, like, lighten the mood. He's like, it was a little awkward, huh? And then he he tries putting on music. And it plays, um, the... You're as cold as ice. (laughs) Title line of Cold as Ice. (laughs) Uh, And Ellen just shuts off the uh, radio very awkwardly (laughs) it just drives in silence the whole way back to the roadhouse I'm guessing so that's fun oh my god they're like I'm gonna go insane (laughs) so great they're borderline like they're about to laugh from the the radio it's so awkward (laughs) It's so awkward, and also you know that they're both like, are we gonna make it out of this alive? <laughs> like, you thought the ghost was scary. Have you met your mom? <laughs> so, that's so good. It's so good. Okay, so we cut to the roadhouse, early in the morning, I'm assuming. Ellen is fucking pissed. I do not blame her. Um, They all come, like, busting into the roadhouse. Ash is probably hiding in his back room getting high as fuck because he doesn't want to deal with this. Um, Dean says, you know, this is all his fault. He's the one who lied to Ellen. Um, and he says, but Joe did, she did a really good job and her dad would be proud. And that makes Ellen even more mad. Um, she tells him that he does not get to say that. Um, where, I'm gonna find the specific. Here it is. Yeah, Dean, Dean, she gets mad at him, and she tells the boys to go outside. Um, so they leave, um, and Ellen turns to Joe, and we learn that she's not just pissed about, um, no, hunting in general, she's extra pissed because Joe let Sam and Dean use her as bait. Um, this is... Ellen is so mad about this. Um, she says that this is why Joe doesn't have the sense to do this job. You know, Joe's like, well, they were right there backing me up. And Ellen, Ellen's like, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, father like son. Um, mm-hmm. And Joe's like, what the fuck is that supposed to mean? And we cut to, I'm guessing just a few minutes later, outside, the boys are waiting by the car, when Joe comes storming out of the roadhouse um and she like veers away from them and Dean follows her and she tells him to leave her alone but then um let me find the transcript because it's really good um Dean's like okay cool yeah I'll see you around and he starts to walk away and she turns on him and she reveals that her dad had a partner during his last hunt. Her dad usually worked alone, this guy usually worked alone, but they decided to work together for this hunt, um, and her father ended up dead. And his partner was John Winchester. And that is where we leave this episode. On that very serious note of, oh my god. What did you do, John? Yeah. 
I yeah. legitimately forgot what he did. She says, you know, <laughs> why do you think John never came back, never told you about us? Because he couldn't look my mom in the eye after that. That's why. And then she tells um, the boys to leave. She tells Dean to leave specifically because Sam's still by the car. <laughs> oh my god. I remember when I first watched this episode, like, that reveal whole shit. But you don't really know, like, we still don't know what happened on that hunt. Mm -hmm. But, obviously the implication is, is that John said that he would have Bill's back. Said that he would keep him safe and bring him home. And he didn't. And that is why Ellen was not just didn't want Joe to go on a hunt, but specifically didn't want her to go on a hunt with the Winchesters. Yeah. Um... That's some big implications there. <laughs> some deep stuff. Some very deep stuff. Oh my some gosh. Deep shit. <laughs> Boys are in trouble. Um, and that is where our episode leaves off. This is a good episode. Mm-hmm. It's not a really, like, plot-heavy one, but we get some more... Um, we learn some more about Joe's character and her background. Um, we learn some more about Ellen and why Ellen feels the way she does about hunting and about a little bit of why Ellen and John like John never told the boys about Ellen and stuff um, mm-hmm. once again John burned a bridge <laughs> he probably shouldn't have he's good at that he's very good at that alright and I think that's it for this episode is there anything else you wanted to talk about my love? I don't think so I don't think so okay so next week's episode we have a combo planned and I think I, I am determined to actually make this a combo. <laughs> um, and it is... So next week, we will be covering Season 2, Episodes 7 and 8, The Usual Suspects, and Crossroad Blues. And I'm very excited, because they're both pretty good they're episodes. Both good episodes yeah. Crossroad Blues especially is a very good episode. Um, but in the meantime, thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate every single one of you. If you like what you hear and you haven't already, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all those fun places. Also, please, if you are able, rate and review the podcast on iTunes. It helps the algorithm and helps other people find us. I got an email from iTunes that was like, hey, you're number seven on this genre list in Turkey. And I was like, what? (laughs) Okay, cool. (laughs) Shout out to our Turkey viewers. Sweet! (laughs) Viewers in Turkey. That's cool. (laughs) Viewers, listeners. (laughs) This is an audio format only. (laughs) Okay. We need Um, to look at our stats again. I was, kind of flipped through them the other night, but I, yeah, we should look at them. Um, If you guys have any fellow Supernatural fans you might enjoy, think might enjoy the podcast, uh, please recommend us to them. Word of mouth is huge. Um, if you want to reach out, you can find the podcast on Twitter at TalkAboutSamPod, on Instagram at we need to talk about Sam Podcast, and on Tumblr and TikTok at we need to talk about Sam. Um, I run all of those accounts, but if you also want to reach out to me specifically, my private my like personal accounts are Lil Red Who Could on Twitter and the Little Red Who Could on Tumblr. And Haley, where can the people find you? Um, you can find me on the twits at... <laughs> <laughs> not gonna call him that ever again. Please don't. 
Oh my god. <laughs> Sounds so wrong. Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, Twitter at life lives on three. I'm very delirious, guys. You need to speak up a little bit. <laughs> very delirious. Babe. <laughs> You're really quiet. I know I'm tired. I'm tired too. People need to hear you. I'm delirious. I'm I noticed. Um, that was rude. I'm just kidding. It's <laughs> the fact. Um, Tumblr HF thoughts dash blog. I'll do you gave your Twitter handle. <laughs> All of these links will be in the Life description. On we're gonna we're gonna call it a night. <laughs> Thank you guys again so much for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Bye. <laughs>
I honest <laughs> to God, I don't think I went to the bathroom until like like three in the afternoon, which was after I got my soda. They opened a fizz at um Lagoon. Oh, really? It used to be a swig, but now it's a fizz. <laughs> we got rebranded. Yep. <laughs> they don't have nearly as many flavor options. Um like, they have, like, a fraction of the menu. Which, you the Fizz menu is extensive. It's very long. Also, they don't have Mountain Dew. They have Mellow Yellow. But whatever. Yeah. Um, I got a, um, I got a Xana Sprite. Actually, I got a Xanadu and exchanged the Mellow Yellow for Sprite. Because <laughs> I've never had Mellow Yellow before. I think it's, I know it's supposed to be, like, like Mountain a, com- it's the Pepsi competition for... Mountain Dew, or the other way around, I can't remember. Yeah. One of them's Coke and one's Pepsi, I think, so. Forget it, that Mellow Yellow is a thing. Yeah, <laughs> it is to Mountain Dew what Pib is to Dr. Pepper. Um, Pib's good. And I used Sprite to get... is to Sierra Mist. <laughs> what about 7-Up? This oh, is 7-Up yeah. Erasure. <laughs> Sorry if I'm about 7-Up. It's also Sierra Mist. <laughs> yes, honestly, that's the one I forget about. What about that's one Taco Bell? Has. Yeah. yeah <laughs> <laughs> no. I used to get um, at my old apartment complex. There was a vending machine on the first floor by the um laundry room. And so when I did my laundry, I'd get a a pib, because they didn't have Dr Pepper. And honestly, it was pretty good. It's a little bit different. It's got like a a little bit of a cinnamon flavor to it, which is kind of fun actually. You ever had pib? Yeah. The Pib X or whatever it is. We used to yeah. serve that at the movie theater I worked at. It's pretty good. I was still a Dr. Pepper addict at the time, but... It's, when I worked there, I drank Pib more than I did Dr. Pepper. Yeah. <laughs> because unlimited free drinks while you're at the <laughs> Oh, boy. That's a lot of caffeine. That's <laughs> <laughs> how they make up for paying you shit. <laughs> it was my first job, so... Yeah. I feel like every first job has to pay shit. I didn't have to pay rent back then, so. Yeah.